do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 681. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, why don't you tease the topic before I get into some other things, sweetie? Okay. Well, um, for those of you who may not know, Taylor Swift came out with a new album last week. I'm sure nobody knew that. It's, you know, just not in the it's news at all. It's only the biggest deal ever. <laughs> anyway, Todd and I are, are Uber fans. Our whole family is. So um, I was thinking about her new song, um, Antihero, and um, that is playing all the time. And the verse of it is... Actually, you can play it for me if you want to. I, I was thinking we'd save it until we actually get no, into it. No, you can play it more than once, babe. All right, here we go. It's me. So that phrase, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me, has, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's really about Taylor's insecurities and sharing her insecurities and the parts of herself that she hates, that she's having to learn to live with and see clearly and integrate, all those kind of things. But I wanted to talk about it in terms of kind of just a little shift to the right or left of what it means to be at cause in our life. And the reason why I this understanding is important to me is as somebody who has grown up um, with self-help my whole life, um, at cause is a really big part of self-help. Okay. So, and Todd and I will get into this in a second after Todd and I, you know, after Todd does whatever he wants to do first here, but I also at cause just to kind of, so everybody knows what that means is taking full responsibility for yourself. And now when I say that sentence, I think a lot of people will say, well, of course. Right. And that's something we talk about in Zen parenting all the time, but this has a lot of movement and compassion and understanding and recognizing determinism versus free will and, you know, outside influence. And it's just a very, I don't want to call it complicated because that makes it sound like we want to stay away from it. I think it's a very nuanced, gray understanding. So we don't self-blame, but then we also still take responsibility. So you go ahead with your stuff and then we'll dive into that in a second. Bella Rasmussen, you ever heard of her? No. She's a senior running back on the Laguna Beach, California high school varsity football team, and she became the first girl to score two touchdowns in a game. Great. Whoever Bella is, but whenever there's um, females crushing it, I like to highlight that. I know. And you know what? Your vocal patterns are not consistent with the story you just told. You sound really like... "Mm." Still waking up. Are you? Yeah. Okay. But you I'll want to do some to, vocal exercises? Yeah, and and force our whole listenership to have to deal with it. No, thank you. Well, you know what the best uh, or the movie that made the most money this weekend, or maybe it was last weekend it started, but it's still making a lot of uh, money, is that movie Smile, that horror movie. Yeah. And but if so, I sometimes to kind of wake yourself up, you can smile, but then you might end up looking scary like the people in the horror movie. Hey, man, when I smile. Let it, me see. Smile. That's pretty good. Thanks, sweetie. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Uh, the other small quick tip, quick there, take. See, your energy is already different. Just, thanks, sweetie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a third of Americans aren't getting enough sleep at night. Hey, that's you. That's me. And yeah. I, is that also you? No. Well, sometimes it depends. I think I think a third is a little light. I think more than a third of people aren't getting enough sleep at night. Well, let's talk about this. Like, I think saying, am I not getting enough sleep? I think I'm getting seven to eight hours most nights. So I think I'm getting enough. Do I wake up a lot? Mm -hmm. Some, Yeah, some nights I do. Yeah, and I don't know if I want to get into the amount of wake-ups I now have as yeah. an adult man. Old man. Unbelievable. <laughs> Old man wake-ups. And it's not just going to, to go pee. I just wake up and I'm turning over from one side to the other. Like, there's no... Like, I understand if my body wakes itself up because I have to go pee, but the amount of times I wake up just to turn over on from yeah. one side to the other or lay on my back, it's unbelievable. But well, and I think that we have historically, because we have been married and sleeping in the same bed for as long as we have, um, we you have always been like, you pass out, you're so tired, oh, yeah. and you're out. And I could basically like jump up and down on the bed and you don't wake up. Correct. That was historically. Yeah. I think now even though you still are like, oh, you won't wake me up. If I turn over or like go to the bathroom, you're awake. No. Are you sure? Yeah. Why are you saying this? Because I never, ever remember you waking me up because you turn over. It doesn't work that way. But sometimes I'll like put my foot in between your feet and you'll like, you'll like hug them with your feet. So yeah. you're obviously awake if I, you're doing that. You did that last night before I fell asleep. That was fine. But in the middle of the night. No, I do it in the middle of the night a lot too. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm unconsciously... Um, loving me? Loving you. That's nice. Isn't that nice? Thank but you. here's the deal. Um, so this is a story. So first of all, whenever like studies come out, like medical studies prove blah, blah, yeah. blah. Uh -huh. I'm always like, did you really need to study this to figure this out? One okay. study found that napping increased endurance and physical performance. Another linked short snoozes to stress relief. Like <laughs> how many, how, how much money had to be spent to figure that out? Well, I think the thing about research and science is you have to continuously validate because if you... I think they can use their money doing other things. Well, maybe these people studying it love to study sleep and this is their area of interest. A John Hopkins study compared nappers to non-nappers because this is, I'm about to give you some nap tips just oh, so you hear. know. Okay. But uh, a John Hopkins study compared nappers to non-nappers. Okay. Those who dozed were better at recalling things and drawing figures, both signs of strong cognitive function. Like once again, it's that's not that... It's not that surprising. Well, let me tell you where that can oh, be used. Study is, helps your brain think. Great. Well, I knew that. The study didn't help your brain think. The nap helped study your brain. The study confirms that napping helps your brain think or sleeping makes helps your brain think. Well, let me let me give you two reasons why that's helpful. Yeah. Number one, in a business setting, and number two, in parenting. Mm -hmm. In a business setting, they may start to incorporate things like nap rooms. That's what they talk for about. For create... Oh, really? Yeah. And then in parenting, we may stop calling our children lazy when they actually are exhausted and want to take a nap. Or we may then, in the middle of a day when we're tired, decide to actually lay down and take a nap. What about that part in Wayne's World where Wayne says, I once thought I had mono for a summer, but it turns out I was just really bored. I was just really bored. All right. You ready for the nap tips? Yes. How long do you think a nap should be? 20 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes. Yes. Very good. The Sleep Foundation says that allows the body to get the benefits of resting without entering into deep sleep, leaving yep. you groggy when you wake up. Set an alarm. So set an alarm for your naps. Ugh. The problem is I don't know if I'm going to fall asleep in minute one upon laying down right. or minute 15. So right. it's hard to set your alarm. 
Number two, when take naps in the early afternoon, the Mayo Clinic says a nap after 3 p.m. might interfere with your ability to fall asleep at night. I know, but 3 p.m. is when I'm tired. 3 p.m. is my, basically anything after 3, anything between 3 and 6.30 is uncomfortable time for me. Yeah. It's called the witching hour. Yeah. It's like, what do I do with this time? My creative brain is kind of eh. Tuning out. Do my kids kind of need me? Should I be here? Should I be there? Should I be talking? Should I be cleaning? Should I be working? Should I be... I just don't know what to do. I mean, not because I don't have things to do. Sure. I mean, because I don't know where to put the energy. Where's my energy best spent at this time of the day? Yeah. There's like a clear... Once it's 6.30 or 7, I mean, there's a dinner experience in there anywhere between 5 and 7. But then after 7, I'm kind of like, okay, I can let go now. Like the day is at a different pace. But when you've got that like that late afternoon part of the day, it's still, you can get things done. Right. But what does get things done mean? Well, I typically, um, not typically, but I sometimes like to work out in the afternoon because I am too burnt out from being creative. So I can go for a walk or a run or do something good like that. I know. And what I will challenge you with is this has been a pattern for you. So you and I work at home And we work all day and then the kids come home. And again, we have much older kids now, but Mm -hmm. you know, again, we've been doing this show forever. And when our kids were little, they would, we'd be, we'd both be working and then they would come home and you would leave. So then I have to get my my walk in. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You'd be like, it's three 30. I'm going to go work out. See everybody. And I'm like, okay, now I'm in charge of this time Mm -hmm. when they're home. There was like a, a, an expectation of that. You could go do whatever you wanted once the kids got home. So that for people listening right now, that's why I'll just speak for myself and maybe moms. That's why it's a weird time. Yeah. Because we don't feel like we can leave. Um, and but we and a lot of parents are probably like, oh my gosh, I'm driving my kids from this place to this place to this place. So first let me own the unfairness and me going to work out at 3 30 or 4 when our kids were little, totally agree with you yeah. and get it. And at the same time, if I'd say, you know what, honey, I got it. You go to the library, I still don't think you would do I it. I know, but you always try that's apples to oranges because mm. I'm not going to leave when the kids are home. So, so you keep trying to kick me out. Right. But I can leave. So like if one of us is gonna leave, it may be as well be the one that's actually willing to leave. Right. But why do we always have to be tag teaming? Why mm. can't we both be there? Because we're gonna come back for dinner anyway, so then we'll all be together. I think this belief about as long as there's one adult, let's and sometimes we have to tag team. There's no other way to survive. Yeah. You know, like you go do this, I'll do this, you be with this kid. Like I'm not saying that's not a solution. It's just the belief that, well, if you're not going to go, I'm going to go. What if we were both here and we were both managing this at the same time? It's what I call inefficiency. To you. To me. Okay, go ahead. And a shout out to all single parents out there. Absolutely. Not sure how you all do it, but bless you, love you. And yeah, they don't have anyone to hand it off to, or if if they do, those people are awesome too, like neighbors and family members and such. Um, yeah, I was going to say some other things about napping, but I think you get the gist. Um, what about your uh, Zen parenting moment, finding middle? Yeah. You ready for that one? Uh-huh. I do have uh, a song queued up for that. Live right now. Yeah, just be yourself. It doesn't matter. kind of a name is Jimmy Eat World? That's a band. Yeah, I don't know anything about that band. Well, I was excited. You know, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago um, about how to find, how I find, 
how I choose the quotes for the beginning of my Zen parenting moment. And that one came to me right away. Like I didn't even have to, I was like, yeah, because they talk about finding middle. Anyway, I think that that Zen parenting, um, moment was read me the first paragraph because i know it's all we like to see things in black and white because we like simplicity and control but we eventually realize hopefully that life exists in the gray yeah so actually todd this is i love how things come together that's kind of what we're talking about today on the show with being at cause and having an understanding of our responsibility is that i think when i have conversations with friends with parents um the thing people really struggle well you know, uh, let me give a really general thing, kind of like we were just talking about being home with our kids. Sometimes we can say, well, when my kids get home, I feel overwhelmed and I feel so tired and it's so scary. So that must mean I don't like parenting. It's like, no, it's not that clean. Like just because three o'clock is a difficult time for you doesn't mean you don't like parenting or you don't like being with your kids. That's a very like absolute, like I'm either this or I'm that. And there's so much middle, there's so much in between. And, and I think that this is the case with, with conversations too. Like, you know, you and I, Todd, like if I have a perspective on something and I have a way that I see it, that is important and valuable, but the way you see it is also important and valuable. And then we make our, we have our conflict and our, and we make our decisions based on both perspectives. And it's not about I'm right, you're wrong. You win, I lose. It's like, Everything is, and and some people will say, well, then that's all compromise. Mm-hmm. We're not always compromising our position. Yeah. Sometimes we are keeping our position as firm as ever, but we are having an understanding of where the other person is coming from. Yeah. Um, I was going to say um, like a win for all solution. Compromise means win-lose. I win, you lose, or you win, I lose. Can we have a win for all solution? Absolutely. And is there even a, you know, I'll question even the word win, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, I think I'm not questioning what you just said, but like the word win makes us see someone who needs to be number one, where it's like, you know, I was just kind of rereading some, I'm going to teach some of Jason Gaddis's conflict stuff in my college class this week. And, you know, just the whole process of listening to someone until they feel understood and saying, and taking responsibility for your part and repeating back what the person said and saying, yeah, I did do that, or I did do this, or let me, let me make sure I'm understanding you correctly. doesn't mean you agree with what they're saying. You're not saying yes. And everything you're saying is true. And I'm awful. You're saying, I hear you. Yeah. And then here's how I saw it, Mm -hmm. which was completely different, but it doesn't devalue what your perspective is. Exactly. Um, before we jump into the topic. Sure. Um, I just want to remind everybody that if you are on Team Zen, which is 25 bucks a month, we are having Dr. John Duffy this Friday, yeah, it's October Friday. 28th. And then um, we're also doing, so we do two Zen Talks a month. One, one is which when we invite a special guest, in this case, John Duffy. Next month, we're having Heather... Chauvin. Chauvin. And then we do a Zen Talk, which is Kathy and I in between. And then we also have three different micro communities. So if you're interested... Just go to um, the link in the show notes. Yeah, like our thing with Team Zen, we love Team Zen so much and we already love how it is, but we don't feel like we always share, we don't feel like we explain it very well. And we're trying to bring more to Team more, Zen. More value to more value. your investment of time and resources. So Taz's been working really hard with uh, members of Team Zen to make sure we have micro communities that we are supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the three micro communities right now are, if you happen to have loved ones dealing with addiction, there's a group of 
team members that are experiencing that where they have loved ones in their lives dealing with addiction, um, separation, divorce, and then finally, uh, parents of differently wired kids. Yeah. And so, and Todd, what he does is he helps support the process. He doesn't go in on the calls. He just helps facilitate, get mm-hmm. it together. So these people have a way, have each other and a way to connect. Yeah. And, um, and then I've been focusing, or we both have together on getting people to, um, you know, our friends, people we don't know, thought leaders, authors to come speak to Team Zen. Sure. So it's like a, you have like, you have this person that you can ask you know, questions and they're right there. Um, so I also, I wanted to do something, Todd, real quick before we jump in about, um, our show that I think is really interesting that we never talk about, which is, um, there's something called chartable, which is where you can see where you, you know, where your show falls on the chart of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, you know, they, everything is, everything's a competition, so it has to be numbered and you know, it, it shows you where you are. Todd and I have been podcasting for 12 years and, you know, there used to be like a handful of parenting podcasts, and now there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Like, I don't know how many are in our genre, but mm-hmm. they're everywhere. But there is charting means that you're somewhere in between one and 200, okay. you know, and we always fall in there. We're usually in, in the 100 somewhere. Okay. Um, but what's cool is that it tells you where you are in terms of other countries. Okay. Okay. And, and I feel like we don't acknowledge that Mm. enough that people who, you know, we often talk about politics in our country and we talk about what's going on in our country, but we're not always recognizing. We have a global audience, a global audience. And I think it's so lovely. And so, you know, we, so these are some of the countries where we usually chart in around 40 to 50 countries every Mm. week. And so Canada, Sweden, Spain, Brazil, Norway, Ireland, New Zealand, Italy, Switzerland, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, um, India, Turkey, Portugal, Hong Kong, Singapore, Finland, Ukraine, which I love. We're like, right now we're like number 70 in Ukraine. Like that makes me feel, I I don't know why, but it makes me feel more. Yeah, I get it. You know, um, Taiwan, Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, Romania, Vietnam, Ecuador, Bulgaria, uh, Pakistan, um, Jamaica, Uganda, which we're number two right now. Um, and, and there's about 10 more here. I just, you know, wanted to say thank you Mm. for listening to our show because, um, sometimes, you know, Todd and I come down here and we talk and it's very about you and I, like we're kind of talking about what's interesting to us, what we read, what we're experiencing, the fact that Taylor Swift has a new album and you kind of, um, because we've been podcasting for so long, you lose sight of the fact that people are are recognizing, uh, finding something in your stories. For sure. Whatever it may be. So grateful to everybody out there, whether you're in the United States or anywhere in the world. It's something I do overlook. So I'm glad that you bring some attention to it. I really do. And I, I every time, because you get an email from Chartable saying, hey, look where you are. And you could be, like I said, we're, we're usually anywhere between 10 and 100, mm-hmm. you know, and depending on the day and the, and the whatever we titled our podcast and I, I always have these moments where I take a breath and I'm like, this is really great. Yeah. And I forget, like sometimes I, even in my own hometown, like I'll be talking to somebody and I'll be like, oh, and then, you know, I had this experience where Todd and I traveled here and they'll be like, yeah, I know you went to Florida and you mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, I share a lot of my life on this show. Um, and you, you literally, and I, I know other podcasters and authors listening can 
recognize this, you tend to forget mm -hmm. that you are sharing of yourself. And when you are talking to other people or meeting new people, you, you're like, how do you, how do you know this? Yeah. Like your friend came over the other day and said, well, you're an INFP yeah. and I'm an ENFP. And I was like, how do you know this? Yeah. And it's because I share it. Yeah. Like it's not his fault. Like I'm the one doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, it's, um, it's lovely. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Just thank you. Thank you. Thanks for allowing us the opportunity mm -hmm. to get in your ears once a week for yeah, an hour. It means a lot. Yeah. We have such a good time. All right. So real quick on at cause. Yeah. Because I struggle with that sure. phrase. Yeah, please, please. I, I, I wrote it down. You said taking full responsibility and I'm sure I'll have some takes on taking less than 100% sure. responsibility, taking more than 100%. Res but why is it called at cause? I don't understand that. You are, you are the, you, <laughs> this is not a word, so forgive me. You sure. are the causer of this. Okay. You are at cause. Of everything that happens to me, I am responsible. Correct. And why, so basically you're taught that you're responsible for everything in your life, all your successes, all your failings, all your feelings, all your reactions. There's no blaming anyone else and it's all you. Mm. And I think this is, gets really interesting when you come from the world. Okay. So I'll, I'll call myself someone who comes from the world of self-help mm -hmm. and therapy, mm -hmm. and I'll call you someone who comes from the world of men's work and coaching. Mm -hmm. now, we, we overlap in all sure. different areas, but wouldn't you say that that theme is that's a thread that runs through all the things we do. There's an at cause theme. Um, yeah. And it's, I guess I'm just going to kind of start out, um, with my understanding of responsibility. Sure. Go ahead. Um, one of my mentor programs, Conscious Leadership Group, would say things like the common language. And I wanted to ask Sarah this when mm -hmm. we had Sarah and Nippy on. Well, and let me, can I stop you sure. for a second? Can you hold what you were just about sure. to say? Do you have it in your head? Is part of the reason I brought this up is we did have Sarah and Nippy from A Little Bit Culty. That's their podcast. They also, um, they were two of the people, whistle whistleblowers for the cult nexium. Um, and we had them on our show and they also have a HBO documentary called the vow and the vow part two just launched last week. Mm -hmm. And so this is part of the reason, um, that when, you know, Taylor's song came out, you know, it's me. Hi, I'm, you know, I'm the problem. It's me. And I right away thought about how, even though I totally get what she's writing about, this is not about Taylor per se. That's what we do when we're in kind of a, a self-help group or when, you know, cultish kind of experiences is we get blamed for anything that happens to us. So Sarah Nippy talked about this, which is why it came to be. Now, mm -hmm. Todd, go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted. No, no, that's okay. So um, I'll just read it as stated. So commitment number one in this program that I got my coaching certification from that I adore. I mm -hmm. love it. There's certain things that I don't quite agree with, but 90% of it I love. Commitment number one is I commit to taking full responsibility for the circumstances of my life. Right. Okay. And then the opposite, uh, the below the line version of that is I commit to living from a state of victimhood, which is victim, hero, villain. And one of the things that was, as it was taught to me that never quite really landed with me was if we were in a group and somebody said, um, oh, you just, you just made me mad. They would invite us to consider saying something to the effect of, I just made myself mad. Right. And I'm just like, eh. Okay. I don't know about that because the stimulus was you just punched me in the face. Right. right. Did I make myself mad 
when you punch me in the face. And I understand the idea behind it because I think we as human beings do are wired through the lens of being a victim of our circumstances and we weaponize our victimhood. So I understand why this wonderful program that I was a part of invited me to start taking more responsibility for the circumstances of my life. But I think that there's a line somewhere that needs to be drawn in between taking 100% responsibility and taking more than 100% responsibility. Beautiful. What a great way to jump in because, okay, I'll, I'll incorporate what you just said and I'll incorporate Sarah and Nippy and Nexium. So when they, Nexium again, it's, it's a cult that they were involved in that now the leader, Keith Ranieri, is in prison for 120 years and five months probation or something <laughs> like that. Nippy always says that. Um, so one of the things in their first workshop that they ever did in Nexium, there was two things that they were taught. One of them was you are at cause. So everything I said to you before, there's no blaming anyone or anyone else, you know, anything or anyone else. You are taught you're responsible for your own life. It's all you. Mm -hmm. The next thing that they were taught was your belief system is faulty. So your way of thinking or is deeply flawed. It's probably based in bad programming from your childhood and that that this that Nexium has a way to f- help you fix that. Your what is faulty? Your belief system. Which is kind of presumptuous because I'm sure some people's belief system is faulty and other people's belief system is not faulty. So it's quite a presumption to make on a grand scale, but go ahead. So let's take those two things as far as this is their first Nexium workshop. And the first thing that, that are trying hear. to be taught is you are responsible for everything mm-hmm. and everything you've ever believed is somewhat faulty. So what they are setting up right away is if anything goes bad, you're the one who's having... So the experience that I know way too much about this, um, their experience, because I've watched every documentary and read every every book, but they would say, if someone would come and say, I'm really hurt by this, or I'm feeling really scared about this, they'd say, what's going on inside of you that's creating this victimhood? Mm -hmm. They would get anything that they felt was not right would get turned around on them mm-hmm. with what are you doing? Why are you having a reaction to this? So so um, let's go back real quick. Okay. Um, I feel like like if I was gonna have, you know, these people, the CLG people that taught me this model, like I said, that some part parts of me agrees with it and parts of me doesn't, is I'm responsible for my experience right. of what is happening to me. Right. I'm not responsible for the guy punching me in the face, but I'm responsible for my experience of it. So I don't know how that fits into what we're saying. I would say, and, and again, I don't want to make this too clean, yeah. but I think I'm resp- responsible for my reaction mm-hmm. to it. Sure. Because this is the thing is, you know, going back to a a self-help, because I would say, let me, let me, you know, back up again. Mm-hmm. Where's all my sound effects? Uh, well, you always get mad when I do the backup. I one. know, because it's so loud, but it's so good. Back it up, back it up. Um, one of the things that I experienced personally, because obviously the reason I'm interested in all these things is because of my own personal experience, right? Is as a self-help reader, as somebody who followed certain teachers, my whole, uh, you know, coming into my adult life mm-hmm. was this idea of you are responsible for your life and anything that happens, what did you do yeah. to create it? And just the way I said that, those words, they weren't necessarily saying it that way, but that can cause a lot of challenge. Part of the reason I didn't investigate my migraines mm-hmm. for 10 years, I finally, 
I've been dealing with migraines for probably around 20 years, maybe even longer. And just in the last like five years, I've started really investigating, but I never really looked into them because I blamed myself for them mm. all the time. Like, you did it to what am I doing that is causing my migraines? Now, here's the, the important part. In, and again, everybody stay with me as far as how nuanced this gets. It doesn't mean I shouldn't look at my sleep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't investigate what I'm eating, you know, maybe not drinking red wine. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not playing a role. But there's this very, this tipping point to where you're like, I um, am causing this problem. And therefore, there's a shaming and a self-blaming aspect. So much so that I didn't tell people I had migraines because I thought they would think less of me. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I I have watched people in my life, clients of mine, friends of mine who have physical issues, um, a concern, you know, about... Um, you know, something is happening in their body. And the reason that they don't want to talk about it is not necessarily just because it scares them, but because they will think that other people will think they're not taking care of themselves. And they will be like, there's this like self-blaming aspect of like, yeah, if I was a better person, Mm -hmm. like think, like listen to this statement and how ridiculous it is. If I was a better person, I wouldn't have cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that statement. Right which I think a lot of people feel sure. who get a diagnosis, mm. maybe it's not of cancer, but of anything. Sure. If I would have worked harder, if I would... And then there's this very nuance of if you get a diagnosis, there are things you can do sure. to better your health, to better your prognosis, to have more information about yourself. So it's not one or the other, but I feel like there are books and teachers and self-help, and I'm putting in air quotes, experts who do have that philosophy is I don't, you know, they think to themselves, I have no medical problems. I don't have any issues. And then when they do have a problem, they deny it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like, I think of like villain consciousness and villain consciousness is when I'm pointing Okay, Todd, we could have totally used this when the kids were younger. It would have been a way to entertain them in the car or maybe wind them down before bed. It's this streaming service called Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks, which kids are really enjoying. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily card trips, to and from school, and for weekend getaways. Not only will parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car. It's a routine they can look forward to and makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to Pinna. FM slash promo to sign up and use the coupon code ZPR at checkout. That's Pinna, P-I-N-N-A dot FM slash promo. Now on with the show. Do have a problem. They deny it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like I think of like villain consciousness and villain consciousness is when I'm pointing the finger and I think I'm pretty good at not pointing the finger outwards, yeah. but I'm really not that healthy because I blame my, I, I left my credit card right. at, at Top Golf with customers four days ago. Yeah, you did. Um, I actually am doing better with it, but in the yeah. past I would beat myself up pretty severely. Like, Todd, you know better than this. What are you doing? Like, I would really beat myself up, which I don't think is healthy no. or helpful at all. So um, I just need to like 
discern between pointing the finger outside because I usually don't. Like somebody cuts me off, I'm like, oh, they might, they must be, re- they didn't see me, or they must be really in a hurry. Right, like, something's I, going on with I that can, person. I can give that compassion away pretty quickly to other people. Absolutely, I'm not as good at giving that same compassion to myself. Well, let's just use your example because it's less heavy than a diagnosis yeah. or an illness. So. Todd is at Top Golf. He's he's there for work. Um, you know, he's he's taking some customers out. He gives his credit card, and then you're they bring it back mm-hmm. in that little black folder. Yeah. And there's, I'm just gonna like throw out a bunch of things. Number one, you're having a lot of conversations. You're trying to make sure everybody's okay. Everyone is like, it's time to go. It's time to go. I'm pulling up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you were in the midst of a conversation when the check came sure. back and you didn't even notice. Maybe you thought you already had your wallet yeah. put away. And so you assumed you already had, like, there's so many pieces that it's not about blaming yeah. the waiter or waitress or blaming the people you're with, but acknowledging that there's a lot of outside forces mm-hmm. that are contributing. It's not just your brain. Sure. That's part of it. Yeah. And the thing is, is so I would look at that because I've had just in the last however many years, I struggle with that occasionally too, which is why I love being able to pay on my phone now. Yeah. Don't you love that? Totally. So you're love like it. paid. You're not like there's not a credit card going mm-hmm. anywhere. So it's really great. But I struggle with that too. And so what I always say to myself now is I create a routine where I'm like, um, put down the pen, mm-hmm. hand, you know, get my card. Like, and so can I take more responsibility? Yeah. Sure. I can be like, I've done this enough. I've left my card enough that I'm going to do something different. Yeah. But I'm also not like, I'm such an idiot. Nobody else does this. Sure. When you ever you go back to a restaurant, they have a box full of cards. Yeah, I you're know. obviously in good company. Yeah, I'm not the only one out uh-uh. there doing that. And I bought these new headphones, cheap ones, twenty mm-hmm. bucks. But I had them for literally twelve hours, and I lost them at the airport. I'm like, God, what is my problem? Yeah. So, anyways. Well, and I think that probably was heightened because you had already left your credit yes, card. Yes. So you were like, Wow, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of the differentiation between cause and effect and determinism. Mm-hmm. So cause and effect is, again, that very clean way of thinking where we're like, so let's talk about a football, okay? If there's a football sitting there and I kick it with my foot, it's going to move. Cause, effect. You know, it's very clean. But we can't do that as human beings because- Too too messy. It's too messy, meaning if you kick a person or a lion, Mm -hmm. let's say you'll kick a lion, Okay. Got it. Kicking a lion. Kicking a lion. You might be like, well, I'm going to kick a lion and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I got it all planned out. It's going to run away and hide. (laughs) But you don't know what that lion's going to do. Yeah. And it's possible. I don't know if it was lions or alligators, but like... Lions and tigers and bears? You have nothing to fear when a lion is fully fed. Oh. Right? So you think like you're out in the Sahara and you're on some safari in Africa or whatever, and all of a sudden there's a lion there. If it's fully fed, it has no interest in you unless you are um, doing something to, to scare it, But which is kind of a weird thing. So once again, to the variables, like if I kick a lion that's fully fed- He may be like, see ya. Yeah, like I don't want to get kicked, so I'm just going to walk away. Goodbye, human <laughs> that I could totally pounce on right now. Whereas if he was hungry, right. I wouldn't have got an opportunity to kick because he'd be choking my neck with its teeth. Choking your neck or biting your neck? Biting, choking. Okay. So, and then we just learned that polar bears do like to eat humans. Yes, they do. Did they you know s- that? They see us as food. That was interesting to me. Anywho, 
Um, so that's a perfect example of cause and effect doesn't work in that kind of mm-hmm. situation because you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. And so this idea of determinism, like if I do this, this will happen. Or because I, uh, determinism would be because I left my credit card, it means I have a bad memory. Yeah. That it's not that perfect. Mm-hmm. There's so many other variables involved. And again, I'd say, you know, something you and I say a lot to each other is when we're talking about a, a person or an experience or even ourselves, you know, what's the common denominator? Yeah. If you are a person who has the exact same experience with everyone you meet. Well, my example with that is um, a friend, a buddy who's had five divorces. Like, yeah, I just can't meet the right woman. Right. Like, what's the common denominator, dude? Right. Like, I don't know if it's these four or five women. I think you might want to shift something in how you engage in relationship with your most important partner. And so that person reading a self-help book may go, oh, I'm responsible for my own behavior. They may not have any idea. Yeah. So they may need to be on one side of the spectrum where they're really learning for the first time. The outside world owes you nothing. Yeah. You are responsible for your reaction, your choices, and not looking to the outside world to please you. That's where this gets really um, interesting. I will share with everybody that I've tried to write a book proposal about all of this, Mm -hmm. like how nuanced this is. I've been working on it for how long, Todd? Six months, eight months. And I finally gave it to my agent. She's like, this is not going to work. Not sellable. Because it's too, like... I'm trying to I'm trying to explain um, how nuanced this is and how there is this middle place and how you have to like see all these different sides simultaneously. Like the word I always think about is you you have to practice being a kaleidoscope. Yeah. You have to like turn it in like many different ways and see how this affects this and this affects this. And that is not something that I guess a uh, a publisher is like. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Like it's too, it's too difficult to put to grasp. Yeah. So what I have decided since that's the case, and I'm going in a different direction, is that I would like to talk about these things on the show. Sure. And I'd like to write about them in my Zen Parenting moment so I can share in bits and pieces something that I think is very important, yeah. which is when I sit with one of my <laughs> friends who is a, a self-help or a, a personal growth person and they're struggling with something and they're like, yeah, I just I just wish I would have, you know, I, I wonder what I did to make this happen. I want to be like, oh my gosh, let's not start there. So I have kind of a different spin or a different example. Okay. Let's say that there's a kid out there that was physically abused when he was seven and eight years uh-huh. old. He is not a, he's not responsible for that. Absolutely Obviously, not. Obviously, this is a young child who was physically abused by a caregiver. I'm just making this up, by yeah. the way. But obviously it happens. If that same person is now 57 years old, yes. still blaming what happened to him when he was seven... I think that there's an invitation to process through that and work through that because I know a lot of people, including me, walk through our lives and there's times when I feel at the effect of, I feel um, a victim of circumstances. And I feel like there's a time when you have to stop blaming, I have to stop blaming my past. You know, I've said on many times, on the show many times, my parents used to argue a lot. And I, sometimes I'm like, yeah, so that's why I'm sometimes shut down with Kathy. I'm like, all right, it's time to quit right. using that right. as my excuse to not be vulnerable in relationship with you. I mean, hopefully I'm moving in the right direction, but I think that that's um, an interesting way of looking at 
um, being a victim versus taking responsibility for for how we experience something in our life. And that is like the this gets very into words because. The hope is, as if something happens to us in our childhood, something, especially these things that are pretty significant, where it alters our trajectory, the way our brain develops, all these things. Once we have an understanding of what happened and and can talk about it, because the first thing, right, is usually when it's something like that, we feel shame. Mm-hmm. So shame tells us to not discuss it when sure. really the only way to get rid of shame is to discuss it. Yep. It's this really crazy, like paradoxical thing. So we first we have to discuss it. We have to recognize we're not alone. That's how we recognize it wasn't our fault. And then what we're capable of doing is integrating it into our experience. Mm -hmm. So you don't, when people are like, I healed it, I released it. You can't ever completely do that. It's a, you can heal the current, if it's still an infection that's festering and is not taken care of, but it will always be a part scar. of part of your story. It will always be a part of your story, and it all it might always be a little raw. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not something that anyone looks around and expects you to absolutely. You should be over this. Mm-hmm. You will never get. Oh, and I'm putting this in air quotes for people who can't see me. You will never get over it. What you will do is you will learn how to see it, understand it, accept it, respect it. Mm-hmm. As far as this is why, not respect it in terms of like it's okay, but like this is I have a better I have more respect for myself. Like I understand what happened and that and then we are able to integrate it as part of our story. And I would say even integration might be the step one or step five. Step ten, like the most fully advanced, is um giving whatever happened to me, what happened to us, meaning and purpose. Yes. And my example of that is um, whoever, um, you know, the Amber Alerts that we all yes. get now. Some tragedy happened yes. to this girl named Amber and the parents created this system so that law enforcement and the public can figure out when a child has been taken. Abducted. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, those people could have just bury themselves into a hole never to come out Mm -hmm. with shame, embarrassment, loss, sadness, but instead they used it and, and, and made something good out of something horrific. And if they could do that, then I I sure as hell hope that I can turn when my parents used to fight in front of me when I was a little kid and use that as an opportunity to engage in healthier relationships with you and the other people in my life. Yeah, it's like post-traumatic growth or post-traumatic giving where we're like, okay, this trauma is a real thing and this happened and I'm dealing with it and it has shaped who I am. So I'm going to utilize it for good. Um, I would also say that meaning, so we're going to talk about the stages of grief, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you know, identified the stages of grief. And then this guy named David Kessler came in and he added an extra with the, um, with the, what's the word I'm looking for? The blessing of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's foundation. Mm -hmm. And the last one is meaning, just like Todd said. Todd's definition of meaning is they went out in the world and made a change. They said, I'm going to take this grief and I am going to add meaning to it for the world. We can also just do that internally. Mm -hmm. We don't have to develop Amber Alerts to then find meaning. Like I have, for example, I think the struggles I have had with my own self-awareness, with understanding self-help, with becoming a therapist, with all these things I've dealt with, my own emotional awareness, my sensitivities, all these things I maybe used to think were bad and I had to figure out if they were good and if I'm... Am I special? I'm not more special than others. All this work I've had to do in my adulthood 
it's so I it's helped me understand other people yeah. so much. The meaning I have taken from it is that I view everybody through such a compassionate lens. Doesn't mean I don't get frustrated if people are annoyed, but I'm like, oh, if you've had to deal with all these intricacies that I have plus 10 more, of course this is going to be difficult for you. Like, I don't look at people and expect them to get things right away. I don't expect everybody to be on their best behavior all the time. I think we are very intricate people. And, And that, or you know, on the positive side there, it's all positive, but I feel like I know how to communicate with people, you know, and I would have never understood that without all of these other pieces, a lot of them being challenges and pain and difficulty and lack of self acceptance. That's how I've learned how to communicate. So, but we don't, as we always talk about on the show, Ted, we don't spiritually bypass and jump to meaning. Right. Which is what I used to do. A lot of people do. And I do. T- I have too. I, I've had pain before and been like, but don't forget, this will be a great lesson. Don't yeah. forget. And it's like, no, don't go to a lesson mm-hmm. yet. Don't go to meaning yet. That's like the last stage of grief. Yeah. First, we have to feel it and have sadness and, and anger and bargaining and, you know, all those kind of pieces where then we integrate and accept and then we can find right. meaning. So it's a process and it, it's not linear. No. For sure. You know, there's a lot of back and forth. So what this means overall is that as all things, it's messy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes we want an answer to why something happened and then we want a solution. For example, this, this might be a touchy one, but let's go there anyway. Someone will say something is going on with my family member. Something is going on with my kid. Um, can everyone pray? Mm. I'm a, I love prayer. Like I'm a big believer in the way that I, the way that I pray makes me feel very connected to something greater. I love thinking about other people, sending them good vibes, sending them thoughts. And I do believe it has an impact. There actually is research about all that energy and that shift. I totally, there's, that's a real thing. But then when people say, well, the only reason this person survived was because of prayer. I'm like, I feel like that's a piece, Mm -hmm. but there may have also been a medical intervention. There may have been that person's stability got, you know, there's like, I think when we just say it's only one thing, we're missing a lot of other pieces. It's a piece but if we make it only one thing, then we only have one solution. Right. Do you see what I mean? For sure. If we recognize that there were many pieces, then we are always open to many solutions and that we can bring in, you know, and I'll go the same way the other way when someone's like, well, you know, I'm sick and I'm dealing with something, so I'm going to do the medical treatment, but I'm not going to talk to people. I'm not going to do therapy. I'm not going to meditate. It's like, why not add in those pieces? Sure. It doesn't have to be one way. Just do a little bit of everything and see, and then there's a magic or a mysticism that we can't, or a mystery that we don't even understand. No, for some reason, I'm thinking of Lance Armstrong because he obviously survived through testicular cancer and somebody was interviewing him saying, do you attribute all this to your hard work and your health and all that? He's like, no, not at all. He's like, I got lucky. He said, there's a lot of people in my cancer ward that wanted to live just as badly as I did Mm -hmm. that didn't. And I think that's the thing, you know, the language that we use around illness when we say this person's a fighter or they're mm-hmm. going to fight it. I totally understand the language. I understand why it's empowering. Mm-hmm. I understand why it gives us the strength, maybe even allows us to utilize our anger to work through something. I'm not criticizing the word fight. But then if someone doesn't get better, then we're like, then did they lose? Right. 
Or were they not fighting hard enough? Were they not fighting hard enough? That's where it becomes really, where that's when you can start to feel shame. You know, right now, Todd and I are, um, Todd and I and the girls, I don't know if everybody knows this by now, but we have a big love of uh, this director, writer named Mike Flanagan. And he, we talked about his show Midnight Mass on our pop culturing podcast. We've watched The Haunting of Hill House. We've watched uh, Bly Manor. We've watched all of his stuff. Midnight Club. And so Midnight Club is what we're watching now. And Midnight Club is, first of all, it's the genre is horror Mm. or it's scary. But what he's able to do is take this genre that is very accessible to people. People like you guys, if you if you ever want to make money on a movie and you're a new director, do a horror film because yeah. they always make money. There's always a horror movie in the theater. Exactly. Like. And what they'll do is um, the industry, if they're trying to like break in a new director, they'll give them a horror film, see how they do with it because it's going to make money no matter what, mm-hmm. or it's, it's going to make money somewhere. Yeah. And then they'll decide whether or not they're going to keep using them. So it's just one of those genres. But Mike Flanagan totally gets this, but then he incorporates into the scariness issues around grief, issues around trauma, issues around connection and love, what's most important. Um, he He's able to do this in a way that I've never – I maybe Stephen King has done it a little bit, but Stephen King's has – I feel like the books I've read, it it ends dark to me. Yeah. Like obviously there's the Stand By Me and, you know, Shawshank Redemption where he does demonstrate there's, you know, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But I I didn't feel it as much with him. Mike Flanagan does this so well in Midnight Club, which is what we're watching right now, it's about terminally ill kids. Yeah. Which may sound like, why would I ever want to watch that? Mm-hmm. Right. But first of all, it was a it's an a teenage book. Mm-hmm. He took it from a book. Um and the these discussions that we're having about self-blame, about what did I do to cause this, why me, and the acceptance that these kids are are finding in that life is not what we think it is. No. And and we also, you know, that's the truth with I, I you know, obviously Todd and I have had a lot of family members who have passed at different ages, with different illnesses, with different experiences. And we always talk about like you know, my dad was sick for 17 years and struggled a lot. And it was really hard for him and hard for the family. And then Todd's mom got sick on a Thursday and died on a Saturday. And and is one better than the other? Mm-hmm. It, it, there is no better than. There's just different. Yeah. There's, there's no blame or like, I want it this way. It's a, there's pros and cons to all of this. And I think, can we live in that without choosing sure. aside, yeah. it becomes really difficult well, and our to brain discuss. is just kind of pre-programmed to see it as left or right, black and white, right and wrong. You know, it, it, it doesn't like the gray. It doesn't like the gray. It's like there's cognitive dissonance, you mm-hmm. know, like we're like, well, if this is true, then this can't be true. It's, I feel safer when I could say it with simplicity. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like one thing I'll say to just bring it back to, because Todd and I talk about mindfulness so much on the show is... You know, we can, like, for example, let's talk about judgment. One more example. You know, people will say judgment is a bad thing. So then we will go out in the world and we'll judge someone and then we'll just beat ourselves up incessantly. Yeah. We'll be like, oh my God, I totally judge that person. I'm a horrible person. And it's like, now, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Your brain is hardwired to judge. Yeah. You want to know why? 
because you need to survive. You need to know, am I safe here? Does this person do their actions in the way that they are talking to me mimic the way I do, you know, talk to people? Does this feel safe? So judgment is not inherently bad, but it's when we judge and then make you know, tack on bias or prejudice or, you know, discrimination instead of questioning, why am I reacting this way? Yeah. You know, and can I then see it for what it is? Take the, you know, take the good from it and leave the rest. But we can't be mad at ourselves for having a judgment. That's the way we're hardwired. Right. And that's something that um, we need to, you know, use the word integrate earlier. That's what we need to do is we are our brain is wired to judge. So can we take a step back and what do we do with that judgment? Is there an exploration? Is there a curiosity around it? Is there, um, or instead is there self-blame or is there some people that are judging don't even know they're judging because their shadow or their, the parts that they hide, deny and repress of themselves shows up at, in the front seat of the car and it's driving the bus. Well, and I think something you and I have done pretty good job with pointing out, we pointed out to, each other or we trust each other enough is when we are envious of someone, Mm -hmm. when I'm coming to you and I'm saying, can you believe that this person got this or they have this experience? We know that envy means that it's something we want or something we are not actively trying to achieve or coming to peace with something that is no longer going to be. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we our judgment or when we're frustrated at someone is usually a form of jealousy or envy. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, and, but we need, but then for me to come to Todd and say, oh, I'm so annoyed at this person because of this, I don't want to be mad at myself that I need to vent that Mm -hmm. because that's how I then realize, well, Kathy, what's bothering you about this? Why are you not okay with this? Yeah, there's something there. What is it? And then it gives me value, it gives me information about myself. But I have to have the envy first. So that's the thing is we're trying to avoid all these things. And we've put labels on them like they're sins. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't the deadly sins like isn't envy one of them? Envy is one of them. So how how do we go if we tack on that and we've we've come to believe that feeling it is a sin, right? Then we're screwed. Like we're we can't talk about what we're experiencing and feeling, and then we can't get that information to help ourselves better ourselves. So or to strive for what we're interested in. Not everything is about bettering ourselves. That's a something I have to work on as well. Sweetie, seven deadly sins. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. And my best, even though I grew up Catholic, my best reference to this is the movie Seven. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that sad? I mean, we all know them, but then they, you know, pop culture you know, lays it on the table for us so we mm-hmm. can see it more clearly. But we could, and I'm not going to spend time doing this, but we could go through all of those and demonstrate aspects of it that are important. Like sloth, we were just talking about taking naps. Mm-hmm. Like naps are okay, yeah. but we may be like, oh, you're so lazy. Or, or I don't deserve so, this. I don't deserve this. Right. So we get messed up in a lot of different ways. And, and I think people just love black and white and clear cut. I'm good, you're bad. This happened because you did this. If you and when it comes to parenting, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, the reason that their child is doing this is because they did this mm-hmm. when they were young. I'm like, maybe, but this could also be a million other things. Right. This is which is why I don't know if I'm always the most uh how do I say this? Like I think sometimes when people come to me with parenting advice, they can leave more frustrated 
because they'll be like, just tell me why this is happening. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's do a list of a thousand reasons. Well, and whenever anybody wants a quick, simple answer, it, it, um, bypasses the work, right. the investigation, the exploration, the curiosity that it, you need to deeper understand how we show up in the way that we show up. So let's, let's close this loop as we get close to closing the show. Okay. It's, we started out with at cause. Right taking full responsibility. Right, right. So what would a sum, summation be? I think I already said it at the beginning is we don't always have control over the things that happened to us, the things that happened to us, um, how, what we don't have control if we kick a lion, we don't have control, but we do have the ability to, to be cognizant of how we're going to respond. Mm -hmm. Reaction is an autopilot. You did this. I'm going to do this. Um, because of this, I'm, this is going to happen. Reaction is a very like the visual I get in my mind is it's like a ricochet. It's like that happens. So this happens. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of like, hold on a second. How do I want to respond to this? It may not be my fault, but I still can play a role in being responsible for my response. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, uh, we're watching the patient. Um, and the last one is tomorrow night, I think, right? So that's the Hulu, Steve Carell. Um, he's a therapist. And last thing. week they had a piece on um, Man's search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Victor Frankel. Frankel. Mm -hmm. And what is the quote, the famous quote that he says, between stimulus and response there is a space mm -hmm. and in that space lies freedom or mm -hmm. something like that. I feel like that's kind of where you're mm -hmm. going is like when something happens to us, we can react without thought or investigation. But if we want to, if I want to evolve as a human being, I will pause and come up with my response mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. opposed to simply react. I will try to do the kaleidoscope thing as as uh, efficiently as I can in a small amount of time and say, can I look at all these pieces real quick? You know, maybe the reason I want to yell at you right now is I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Maybe the reason I'm so frustrated is because we had this conversation yesterday. Maybe the reason that I don't want to have this conversation is I know I'm not going to say something that is helpful. So I'm going to choose my response you know, instead of decide you did this, so I'm going to do this. Right. That's a very, it's reactive, it's non-thoughtful, and it's often not compassionate toward ourselves or the other person. So, you know, this, you know, it delves into, you know, Todd's asking me to sum it up, but it really goes down that path of mindfulness again, which we don't need to get esoteric about it. Are you paying attention? That's all. Like when Todd says something to me and I have a strong response, there's, I can't always keep that response from coming up because I'm a human being with all these triggers and things. But can I, if not in the moment, can I look at it later? If I say something to Todd that isn't kind, can I repair? If he said something to me that wasn't kind, can I approach him and say that wasn't okay? Like we have all these choices, so we are responsible for our own behavior, but it doesn't mean we caused things to happen to us. Well, it's, it's I take 100% responsibility for how I experience my world. I don't take less than 100% responsibility, which is blaming and being a victim. And I certainly don't take more than 100% responsibility because that, by definition, would remove you from having your 100% responsibility in relation with me. Right. So if I'm trying to rescue you or if I'm trying to hero you in a situation, um, it... it 
it prevents you from me being able to take your 100%. Can we just walk around this earth doing our best to take only our 100% responsibility and not more than that and certainly not less than that? Exactly. And I know exactly what you're saying. And I think the only thing that throws me off that makes me wince is the 100% because when people think of that, they think everything. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a reframe of what 100% means. Right. And you're trying to say, I'm responsible for me, but I didn't cause this to occur. Mm -hmm. Meaning to, I love your example of when people are like, well, no one can make you mad. You choose to be mad. Well, Kinda, but if someone is like hitting me in the face or like cutting me off in traffic or flipping me off, they do play a role mm. in how I'm experiencing this. My reaction is my choice, right? But I'm not going to blame myself for being mad, right? Because that's a good anger, and being mad means your boundaries have been crossed. Yeah. That's good information. Yeah. So I'm not mad that I'm angry. I'm just. How am I going to respond to this anger? Am I going to then cut the car off again? Sweetie, I'm just glad that you're you're not mad that you're angry because that <laughs> makes my brain hurt. Um, I'm I, angry about being mad. I need to <laughs> um, say this quote correctly. Okay. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Thank you, Victor Frankel. Thank you. Um, I coach guys one-on-one, toddadamscoaching.com. So if, any, if there's any guys out there that want to get coached up by me, uh, let's talk for a half hour and see if we're a good fit for one another. Kathy has a book called Zen Parenting. Yes. Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. So two things. Number one, the book is out there. It's everywhere. Zen Parenting, as Todd said. Number two, Zen Parenting Moments. If you scroll down on your you know, phone, you can just click. It says subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. It comes out every Friday morning. Um, and that's it. Like that's, it's just once a week and it's just a thoughtful, supportive, hopefully inspiring thing. Um, I was, I'm also the executive director of menliving.org. So if there's any guys out there that want to be in community with other incredible men, go to menliving.org. And then lastly, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. His website is avidco.net and his phone number is 630-956-1800. Um, Taylor Swift. T-Swizzle. Listen to Midnight's, everybody. That's right. Um, it's probably one of my, sense Reputation, one of my favorite albums. And if you haven't already, um, we Todd and I did a podcast with our daughters about our favorite Taylor Swift songs. All of us did our top 10 favorite. And this was pre-Midnight's, obviously. So if you scroll down, you'll see a link to listen to that podcast. And maybe we'll have to redo that and add in the Midnight's music. There you go. We'll see. And then uh, John Duffy this Friday for all you Team Zen people. And if you're not on Team Zen, again, scroll below and join. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.